patrons of the Red Lagoon, to those gathered at the Circle Perilous, and to all the defenders of this broken land, welcome to episode 32 of Morocco Public Radio for the week of March 29th. We're the casual X-Men chat show where we chat everything happening in Marvel's Mutants every single week. I'm Rod, and this is the Rod of Earth 69, my one and only co-mega mutant, Higgin. There's a lot of multiversal stuff going on this week, so I figured time to pull that joke <laughs> yeah. out. That's a good one. I like it. So, so, we're filming this the night before you leave for WrestleMania 39. Yes, that is correct. How excited are you? Uh, extremely excited. Right now, me and my group of friends, we only have tickets for night one, but we're hoping some day of releases or something to get some oh, night twos. But, so you have, uh, you, have the, you have the work schedule figured out that you could stay both nights if, if it chance yeah up? uh yeah so i i took i took monday off we all took monday off so we're gonna see night one no matter what we're gonna try to get tickets to night two if not then we're just gonna watch it in the hotel room and head back monday this is news to me you hadn't told me this part yeah. i am so rooting for you to, to get that <laughs> sunday night ticket yeah that's uh that's what i'm hoping for <laughs> okay the other trick i've read online this isn't for ticks to the show but Okay, so I'm assuming you're not in the, like, floor seats that get the commemorative chair, right? Right. Okay, so on your way out, if you hang out, like, by the exits and have, like, 50 bucks cash on you mm-hmm. and offer it to everybody coming out, most of those people go to enough of those shows, they don't care for the commemorative seat. Huh. So, if you want that folding chair, I've always wanted, like, a yeah. WrestleMania. I've always told I myself, mean, to if I'm ever in town. WrestleMania folding chair. Yeah. If Ooh. I'm ever in town, I'm going to try that trick. Because apparently, yeah. like, I've seen people on Reddit every year talking about how they've had success doing that. So, Interesting. consider it. Consider trying to get yourself that chair. Yeah, I might. All right. This week, we're talking about Sabretooth in the Exiles, number five. Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain, number two. Deadpool, number five. And then going around the Marvel Universe with X-Men Unforgiven number one. And then we're talking some Dugan Iron Man. Mm-hmm. So where do you want to go first? Uh, do we want to do want to start with probably my favorite issue of the week and do Sabretooth? Let's do Sabretooth. Okay. It was my favorite two, don't worry. Excellent. Sabretooth and the Exiles number five, written by Victor Laval, drawn by Leonard Kirk, picks up right where last issue left off. With Graydon Creed standing over a beaten, bloodied Sabretooth in front of a wall of decapitated, multiversal Sabretooth heads, he recounts how he was revived back in Greg Pak's Weapon X run. Basically, Sabretooth was in a nice guy phase, sacrificed himself, and for some reason that's motivating Graydon uh, to want to kill him now. I don't know. It really was just a flashback. Didn't explain why that's his motive. Sabretooth assumes that his exiles will save him. But instead, a group of three new alt-sabertooths barge in. They all brawl. And then Third Eye shows up, not offering help, but asking for it. Back in Station 4, the weird babies from last issue are still lashing out. Nanny has a plan, though. The sabertooths who chased off Graydon consider leaving our victor to fend for himself, but remove the Barrington coil to restore his healing factor, and then leave him to seemingly chase Graydon. Graydon revives an army of headless Sabretooths to do his bidding. In Station 4, Nanny finally reveals her plan to turn the rest of the Exiles uh, cognitively into babies so that the test subject babies aren't threatened anymore. Peter sees how this is dangerous. Uh, The Sabretooths trio 
find Graydon's multiversal travel device and try to go back instead of chasing Graydon. But Graydon's headless army finds them anyways. Uh, they seem outnumbered until our Sabretooth shows up, healed up and ready. Graydon gets thrown into the portal and Sabretooth announces he has a proposal for the trio. The Exiles, meanwhile, manage to escape Station 4, though apparently Nanny made the choice to stay behind with the babies, which is red flag number one. Necra uh, promises to keep them all safe and reveals she still has the Death Seed that she was given at the end of the first Sabretooth miniseries in case Sabretooth tries to come after them. Sabretooth, on the other hand, has a new, better team of Exiles, his three doppelgangers and the Headless Army. And they're going after someone's birthday celebration. <laughs> okay. Love the issue. Yeah. I've got some questions. I've got, but I didn't really go into it. So I want to talk about the new, the three new Sabretooths because they were cool. Yeah. Uh, so one of them is labeled as from Earth 12. So Earth 12 is uh, the same universe Mimic comes from. It's supposed to basically if the Marvel Universe was Silver Age DC, if that makes sense. Okay. And so this Sabretooth, he reminds me of Johnny Cage from Mortal Kombat. Like he's uh, <laughs> he's like the Hollywood legend with the red glasses and he's just, he's the cool Sabretooth, right? Yeah. Celebrity bad boy, but still a serial killer, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. The Miz uh, of Sabretooths. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the other, another is Earth 203, which isn't a world that has any context. But in this world, apparently Sabretooth is Captain America, which either means he's the very, very nice Sabretooth, or Earth 203 is the worst possible Earth. And I loved his title is he's the Sentinel of Ruff, with Ruff in italics, Justice. Ruff yeah. Justice. I and then Earth great. 1912 Sabretooth is... Like a Savage Land cavewoman type saber tooth has like a belt of teeth and an enamel head, and just from a quick Google search, also first like time Earth nineteen twelve has been mentioned. But I like the idea of having a woman, the woman, a female Creed on the team. Yeah. If we are getting this, is the new Exiles team? Yeah, a uh, Victoria Creed, if you will. That's exactly what they're gonna call her. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the other important thing to note is we were told, like, they'll be back. Unlike yeah. the end of the first one where we got told specifically the name of the next book, we mm -hmm. weren't told when or where or any of that, but we were told, hey, there'll be more at least. So you said this was your favorite of the week? Absolutely. I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it, there was a lot of good payoff while still setting up uh, what's to come. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I just, I had a lot of fun with the, the saber tooths, the victors, you know, like that was uh, fantastic for me. It's interesting because I feel like in general, I'm multiversed out. Like Marvel needs to, to, to chill. DC needs to chill with their multiverse too, but like Marvel needs to clamp down the amount of multiversal stuff going on in general. I don't know if you had told me, Hey, we're going to get saber tooth verse now. I would have been like, Oh yeah, we need one more. But but I do really like all three characters that were added are all really great. Mm -hmm. It is interesting because it kind of changed the entire premise in the last issue. Like, I feel like suddenly we weren't dealing as much with the, hey, here's the parallels with real world, like, genocide. And instead, daddy issues on a multiversal level was a really big flip to, uh, switch to be flipped. But it worked. It was a ton it of did. fun. This issue was fantastic. 
Well, and also like they still they uh, they still connected it to some like real world history and everything with yeah. the Maroons data page. Yeah, that data page. Uh, I had to Google that. That that was less stuff I recognized, but it did still have the real world connection. And, so, yeah. and the the last line of that data page, I was just kind of like, ooh, okay, just we survived the saber tooth war. Yeah, <laughs> Nanny has a baby army now. We assume. That can't. That's not a thread that could be like. And they even, right? No, and not at all. I mean, they even mention themselves. Like, hey, this is (laughs) this is not great situation for us to be leaving behind. But I guess we'll do it. (laughs) Uh, Peter suddenly is like using teen lingo, so I guess he's really growing up, which horrifying. Okay, so I feel really dumb. I got all excited. Thinking like, oh, the birthday reference? Maybe he's talking about Krakoa's birthday. The Hellfire Gala. Blah, blah, blah. But no, he just means Wolverine. He's just going after Wolverine. Yeah, he's just he always messes Logan. Wolverine on his birthday. Yeah. I'm a little bummed. I'm a little bummed that it's not something bigger. But it'll still be cool. I except, mean, except, except, is the next Victor Laval miniseries going to cross over with Percy? You know, uh, I was having such a good day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I hope not. I hope that this is just one of those cases where they're like, you know what? Wolverine's allowed to do whatever he wants when he wants. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. But which angle is the next series gonna take? Are we gonna deal with the nanny situation? Are we gonna be going up against Wolverine? Are we gonna be dealing with Graydon, who apparently just got punted into the multiverse, so you know he's coming back eventually. Yeah, I, I wonder. I mean, since they haven't told us anything about it yet as far as i can tell maybe the next one will be like a uh Sabretooth versus the exiles and it follows both storylines then converges oh yeah you know that that's like the easiest promotional thing ever is you just keep the same logo but you have the yeah. and like spray painted over with verse like, yeah yeah that's super easy i bet you that's exactly what they do it becomes Sabretooth versus the Exiles. Good call. I, I'd like that. I think that'd be a fun way to keep it going. Same. I think that'd be really cool. But I, I'll tell you, like, these two separate minis making one longer story, I'm loving it so far. Oh, it's been fantastic. And I, I know it, it kind of now is disconnected from the overall timeline because this took place right after the first one. So, like, in universe time, this story happened a while ago. But... Mm-hmm. It's some of the best storytelling in all of Krakoa. We talked last week about how poorly it's doing in the sales and what like a crime that is. Yeah. But I feel like one more mini series will give us fifteen issues, and that's enough for them to immortalize it with a hardcover and like make it actually like a series. So I really yeah. hope they give it the one more mini, and then it gets like a compendium style like collection to, to make it a definitive story because it Absolutely. deserves it it's been so good because i think either of these miniseries would just do well as their own trades as is like they would read really well as a, like a absolutely trade and i'm really curious if that's what's prompting them to keep going if maybe Sabretooth because they did really poorly in singles as well but maybe the trade like word of mouth it sold well that way mm-hmm. okay do you understand graydon's uh motive better than i did because it seemed really weird they specifically showed the flashback of, like, yeah. oh yeah, you were really nice to me, and you sacrificed yourself to save me, so now you have to die. 
And I mean, maybe it's just that Graydon is a psychopathic piece of shit, but... You know, um, I don't know. <laughs> like, I truly don't. Well, because that was the, like, when they, they had the inversion of the good guys and the bad guys, so Sabretooth was, like, more heroic, so he made the choice to sacrifice himself to save Graydon, and then when you, we saw him come back, like, he, he crawled out as just, like, feral Sabretooth, and then got his personality back and was a bad guy again, and then... It just seemed weird to reference that specifically and then be like, and now I kill you. Not that I'm upset about it, but it did confuse me a little. I guess, you know, maybe he enjoyed hell more than he enjoys life, or maybe it's been really bad because, I mean, his exact phrasing when he's talking about it is, you know, he says, you thought you were being noble. You should have left me there. Yeah. So I don't know. So I guess it could either be read as, you know, he preferred hell or he is just so twisted and evil that it was a mistake to bring him back. I could see either. It just, it rubbed me the wrong way. Like it would have been cleaner to just leave that out and just have him just want to get dad. Yeah. To bring up that random piece of history from 2018, which I guess is probably the last time we saw him. Sometimes I feel like they they unnecessarily shackle themselves to continuity when you can just just have an ambiguous reset of the character have happened in the last few years. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, we haven't got an announcement of a time frame yet, but maybe within the next month or two, it'll show up on solicitations. Mm -hmm. We've already got what is it june's solicitations that it's not on there so maybe maybe july we can hope for saber truth for the exiles number one yeah there will be a wave of fall of x books like all you, you, they do it every year and a half or so where you get a ton of number ones for two or three months in a row mm-hmm. so fingers crossed that's that's on that list yeah i'm hoping it's it's right around there because i i want more i love this story and i'd like to see it continue captain britain captain britain Captain Britain, Betsy Braddock, number two, written by Teeny Howard, drawn by Vasco Georgievi. Georgievi. Uh, the Captain Britain Corps is still in the heat of battle with Morgan LeFay's Furies. As we found out last issue, LeFay wants her own Captain Britain. And when none of the Corps take her bait, she just sort of leaves the fight. Rachel and Betsy Sherlock that shit and figure out she's going after a non-Corps member, uh, but that they'd have to be like humanoid and pass for a Earth 616er. Uh, and so they they land on through Rachel or Oksani's like powers that the best the best candidate is Captain Carter's friend Lizzie Braddock. So off to Earth seventy six they go. A data page recaps most of last year's Captain Carter mini. Any chance you read that? I don't think so. Okay, it was okay. It was good, not great. Uh, but all you really need to know is instead of Steve Rogers and Merka, uh, basically it's Peggy Carter who gets the serum and then gets frozen. And in, she eats curly whirlies. Uh, Lizzie has telekinetic powers and works for Strike. She's hanging in her kitchen when Morgan Le Fay shows up. But luckily, Rachel and Betsy show up at the exact same time. They all brawl. Captain Carter shows up and they defeat Morgan enough that she runs away. Though Lizzie is hurt enough that she's like unconscious, gets hospitalized. Morgan goes home and decides to go after Captain Carter instead. Ruben shows up and informs her that the Furies would really rather just go to war and all this, like, scheming shit, not really their cup of tea. Uh, Morgan just rebuffs him. 
Betty and Captain Carter discuss their respective roles. Captain Britain doesn't represent the government in any way, much to Captain Carter's surprise. Um, Captain Carter takes a nap in Lizzie's hospital room. She's entranced by Morgan Le Fay, and a wicked fight ensues. Like, one of the best fights of the year. Uh, and before Betsy uses her psychic knife to free her, the captains make peace. Uh, but then we see that Morgan Le Fay has moved on to her next scheme. Instead of replacing just Captain Britain, she's replaced the entire Captain Britain Corps with a new Captain Britain Corps that's just the Furies painted with the Union Jack on them. Which we talked last issue about how, like, it's weird how blatant they're going with just, like, it is the baddies. And, like, I feel like as cool as those looked, they're really hammering home this Britain is the bad guys thing. And, yeah. Yes, I guess I was going to say, could you imagine if they did the same with, like, American imagery? But we did have Norman Osborn as the Iron Patriot. So I guess they have done similar. That's just, true. And it, they did look cool. The Furies yeah. with the Union Jack was awesome. What would you think of this issue? I remember, like, issue one, we were like, it was good, but it sure was weird. How would you feel about this one? You know, um, I enjoyed myself again. Like, it was good. I think I just get less interested and less involved in the Captain Britain stuff of anything. Yeah. Um, I want to say, I feel like probably this was some of the most interested I've been in. Like, I like this better than anything Knights of X. Like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, I feel like the having them go multiversal, having them bring in Captain Carter, who I'm not like the world's biggest fan of, but it's mixing it up enough for me that I'm I'm into it more than I have been. And like, it's well written. I like the way Teeny Howard writes stuff. Yeah. I have an issue that I feel like got amplified by a specific conversation in this, but. Like, how many times do we have to repeat the story of, like, they sure don't like, Cap like, her as Captain Britain. Man, right. they sure wish her brother was still Captain Britain. Like, I feel like that's, that's this is, like, the third or fourth story that's literally just been that, of, like, man, Britain sure doesn't like their captain when it's a woman. And, yeah. like, they, they made the point of her pointing out to Morgan, like, it's been years, Morgan. And I guess with the sliding Marvel timeline, I didn't really think of it in that context. I still think of her as, like, new, but because it, it was only at the beginning of the Krakoan era that she became Captain Britain, but because of the Hellfire Galas, they are treating it as, like, real-time-ish. Yeah, and I, so uh... It, it's weird to me. Why are they... How many times does she have to save their ass before yeah. they're like, oh, maybe... Maybe the captain can have a vagina. It's okay. I, I I definitely get what you mean. Like it's it's a weird thing for it to still be a problem if it's been uh I mean at all, obviously, but also if it's been as long as it seems to have been. But I also think like all things considered, it's the biggest issue I have fitting X-Men into Marvel is the timeline stuff because of the hellfire gala uh so i just i love the galas i really mm -hmm. wish they didn't specify they were annual yeah like in universe they should it should just be like uh when we want to throw a party we throw a party and like mm -hmm. leave it in an ambiguous amount of time i don't know if you're reading dr strange but the they just the, steven just came back to life and they kind of talk about it like he wasn't dead for very long, but Clea was at the last Hellfire Gala with the like, 
yo, if you have this revival stuff, why won't you just breeze? It just, it doesn't work when other comic books don't tell a full year's worth of stories between the two galas, and then the characters go to the galas, and then we're, like, in the X-Men time, it has been a year. It just, it makes it so sloppy. And this is a great example of that. It makes it really hard to buy in. Yeah, because, like, sometimes, you know, oh, the last time Cap saw Scott was the Hellfire Gala, and it's been a year. But also, no, we actually saw you months ago, but it was actually the issue that came out with the Hellfire Gala for Captain America, or whatever, right? It's, like, one of those kind of things. Or, like, Um, do you remember Amazing Spider-Man had, like, we saw it happen at the Hellfire Gala, and it was, like, and find out Spider-Man's side of the story in four months. Like, and then Dark Web. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's like my biggest issue with like the X stuff fitting into Marvel. I but... agree. And after you saying that and me throwing it out there, I really do think the cleanest answer is just remove the annual stipulation from <laughs> the Hellfire Gala. It could be annual in real time, but in universe, just say the the gala the gala the oh we have we have an important announcement like gala it doesn't need to be annual there doesn't need to be a time frame attached not only that but i think if i don't know like if they took the annual off of it you could have like a really cool like winter gala and then everyone's in like really fancy winter clothes instead and stuff like that just be a little that's true I mean, people still go crazy for every outfit, but it's true that yes. like they're they're all just ball gowns. Whereas you could have you could start having themed galas. Yeah, yeah, I think a, a winter theme going to be really cool. Uh, you know, people would go crazy if they did like full on like the bikini gala on the beach. Like, yeah, I I, I just I think it's an easier way to address it and fix it. Uh, it won't happen that way, obviously, but. Uh... Well, know, especially now that they're doing the real world version at SDCC every year at San Diego yeah. Comic Con. That's but you know what else that is that I don't think people have really talked about. Mm. That is a security policy to keep Krakoa around. Yes, because you can't you can't go back to the mansion and be like Hellfire prom. Like that would be yeah. stupid. <laughs> you know what else it is? It it is the the first live event that Araco Public Radio should be invited to is the SDCC Hellfire Gala as guests. Okay, but if if we get invited, you are the one convincing my wife to let me leave with like month old twins. I mean, look. <laughs> miracles happen once in a while if you believe. I believe my uh good friend Mia Thermopolis taught me that one. So I think if Marvel gave us an invite, she would not be thrilled about it, but she would have to let us go. Yeah. So, Marvel, send us some passes to get into the Hellfire. Look, I I wear a t-shirt to record this shit. I clean up nice. I would look great in a gala outfit. I don't clean up nice, but it would make for, like, really good social media pictures. I'd be like, I'd be like Otis, you know? Okay. Wolverine, Cyclops, it would be great. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. right, so we're talking about Captain Britain. <laughs> I like the Morgan Le Fay stuff. I like, I, I like the British politics to an extent. Mm-hmm. And I do like, you know what the best part about this miniseries is? That's really weird to say. Hmm. 
it has not actually gone to the other world, the King Arthur land at all. Avalon. 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 Yeah. Yeah, no, but what's the other name for it? I don't know. I don't care for any of it, so. No, it is. It's Otherworld. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Otherworld. Otherworld's the dimension. Avalon's the kingdom, right? Okay. Maybe, that maybe I have it backwards. I, don't I think remember. that's correct. Whatever it is. Either way, we spent so much time there. I, I love that we're getting Betsy actually in our world. Except, Absolutely. Except she's multiverse diving. But yeah, like I don't care for any of the other world Avalon stuff. I've never really cared for it. It gets boring to me. I like it in doses. I just feel like we've seen everything Teeny Howard has to say about it. That's a that's a fair assessment. And I know I talked about this way back when uh, we were doing Knights of X here in Gillen. Well, Knights of X was coming out. Did a way better version of the like King Arthur's as real as you believe it is, and once in mm-hmm. future. And so you you'd read them side by side. You'd be like. He's in the same office. Why doesn't he give this shit to them? Like, this is way better. I do have a theory. Avalon, Otherworld related, though. Ooh, what is it? We're getting all these glimpses of Oksani's, like, power limits and, like, all the all her cool feats and stuff. Uh, because I think she's going to be the Saturnine, Saturnine replacement. Mm. She's the new head of uh, Avalon, whatever. The, uh starlight citadel yeah i like that that's cool i think that's i think that is a cool direction to take rachel and opens up for the next writer like something really cool to write about and puts her potentially at odds with her love interest because avalon's best interests and captain britain's best interests are always the same and so it would be cool to see them kind of forced to have that tension yeah i think so too no i'm just trying is that mecha godzilla behind you no this is uh it's it's the uh, Walmart Adventure Force. I don't know who you said. Uh, the cheap Mechagodzilla generic ripoff. It was one of oh, Mikey's uh, fourth birthday presents from a distant relative. Mm. He just left it up there because I don't know if I've explained this on pod. My office is no longer an office. My office used to be the room next door that is now uh, the nursery for my twins. And so this room that used to be my kid's playroom is now what we are referring to as the bro room. And that was the sales pitch to trick him into letting us take half the room to be my office and half to be his playroom. And yeah. he loves it. He loves the idea that daddy and him have this room that just us share. I mean, but anyways, it's such a good, it's a good, it's a good sales pitch. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, he, lo- he just left this on my desk, but it is pretty cool. It, it is very cool. For, for being in a generic, it's neat. Yeah. I was looking at it and I was like, I, that's not the dragon sword. Maybe that's Mechagodzilla. <laughs> I think it is like, it's supposed to imply, I think it's just called like giant robot T-Rex, but yeah. it's clearly supposed to be Mechagodzilla. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Deadpool. Number that's five. Number five. Written by Alyssa Wong, drawn by Martin Cocolo. The harrower is overjoyed at having a new Cletus Cassidy slash carnage. So much so, she flirts with him immediately until Doc Ock is, like, grossed out and clearly jealous. Cletus and Wade, who, remember, is still, like, the lower half. Like, they're just they're just two torsos attached to the legs since he gave birth to him. And then, yeah. Enter before Cletus angrily rips them apart, which causes Deadpool to give birth to a second symbiote. Uh, this one, a giant dog that immediately eats Cletus. After their escape at the end of last issue with their arm ripped off, uh, Valentine Boong is at the Atelier 
where the arm's been repaired and they're getting lectured by the leader, the Horn Emperor, and both Death Strikes until they reveal that Doc Ock took the hit out on himself and that uh, only they could figure out why. So they go with uh, Lady Deathstrike, who wants, like, revenge. Meanwhile, Deadpool and Renezme, which is what he had named the, the symbiote when it was in him, and then now that's what he's calling the dog, bond uh, until Harrower attacks with a dog of her own, and they, 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 they brawl. And then uh, Otto is like, you know what? I'm not in it just for revenge. I'm out. He tries to leave, but... On his way out, he's stopped by Valentine and Lady Deathstrike, who confronts him about his insider Italian knowledge. Valentine joins Deadpool and Renesmee to finally beat Harrower, blowing up the entire fucking lab. Uh, Deadpool's upset, thinking the dog is dead, but then the dog shows up, having survived the explosion, and he saved Lady Deathstrike, so he's like dragging her out by the mouth. Uh, Deadpool decides to rename her Princess because he doesn't want to get sued. I had to Google it. Apparently, it's a reference to Twilight. You didn't know that it was the Twilight baby? I lucked out. I never dated anyone that was super into Twilight. and I managed to avoid Twilight, except for, like, a few of them were showing in the movie theaters when I worked there. And yeah, so, yeah so. no. Renesmee is Bella's baby. The one that Jacob imprints on. I was going to say, the, the one that, like, makes it all age gap yeah. gross stuff at the very end? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. That one. I mean, at least that is connected to dogs, so that's kind of neat, I guess, but it's still a weird choice. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I like Princess better. If we're keeping princess the character, I'm glad, I'm glad we went with Princess. Harrower then reveals she survived by, like, growing out of one of her blossom things like she's done in the last, like, three issues. But more importantly, that there's more symbiotes still inside Deadpool. And Doc Ock gets a package revealing... Someone had tipped him off that Italier was coming after him, that he should place the hit. The Italier have figured out that Valentine is up to shit. And mm-hmm. they send their full forces to kill Valentine and Deadpool. And then we see the two letters that Doc Ock got and see that it was Valentine Bong themselves that tipped off Doc Ock to put the hit on Doc Ock. So I, I said last issue this series was losing me. This mm-hmm. one pulled me back in quite a bit. Like I liked the like the triple betrayals and I don't know. There it was it was basic but really fun. Yeah, I mean it was like basic, silly, fun, uh with some good addition. I mean, it's what it, it's what I like about Deadpool comics. Yeah. You know, without it, the stuff that's always driven me crazy with Deadpool comics, because there's exactly. still none of the like misogyny or any of that stuff. It, mm-hmm. yeah. And actually, like, I find his like adoration for Valentine really, really heartwarming. Like, it's just Absolutely. genuine. He's like genuinely in love with her every time. Or, he's like genuinely in love with him every time we see him. They're, they're yeah, really sweet. And I, I have to really like, this issue. Like, it really it solidified why I'm enjoying this run. Yeah. So. Yeah, it reaffirmed my interest because it it had started to lose me. I'm very mm-hmm. glad that it seems like, for now at least, we're done with the uh, Carnage stuff for a little while. Although, clearly, it's coming back. Yeah, uh, but Cletus, like, immediately died. <laughs> Cletus being one and done was great. Also, because I really like where the actual Carnage book is going. And they have a different Cletus live over there. So, I was yeah. going to be really frustrated if we just had two Cletuses running around. So, that was... That was a great bait and switch to just off him right away. Yep. Fun book. 
I enjoyed it. I, w- I wouldn't mind if Princess stayed around for a while. I think that's a great, great, great cast. I don't know how long Alyssa's planning on sticking around. I know yeah. Deadpool supporting casts constantly change with every volume. But mm-hmm. if we kept Valentine and Princess for like 20 plus issues, I would be fine with it. Like that, they're a great trio. I think so too. I think it would be a really, uh, a really good cast to keep for a while. That's about it though. I was going to say, I know we don't usually talk a ton about Deadpool and like there isn't layers to unpack with it. It's just yeah. fun. It's like, just, it's, it's light fun and I'm glad that it's light fun, but you know, at the end of the day, there's not much to say about it aside from the fact that it's fun and it's not too serious. And they made some interesting choices that worked out. Yeah. I mean, I definitely want to separate like some books. We wrap up really quickly and we move on because they're boring or uninteresting. This isn't that. No. This is just really straightforward. So there's not mm-hmm. a ton to unpack there. But yeah, really enjoyed it. Around the Marvel Universe. Around the Marvel Universe. Did you read X-Men Unforgiven? And I'm to- totally no shame if you didn't. I did. Were you confused as hell? Not even that I was confused as hell. I was just kind of like, okay. <laughs> okay. So, the Unforgiven were literally like a, a creation of, I think it was Fear Itself. Like, it was like a tie-in there. They were the good guy vampires. They It was when Jubilee was a vampire, so you got like like that's where the x-men crossover came in in the spider-man issue their leader got killed by their new recruit and so that's why like they're already in mourning and like slowly going feral and angry at the beginning of this one uh i don't know why tim seeley didn't didn't i guess probably not seeley's choice it's written by tim seeley who i genuinely enjoy most of the time and i do enjoy i've enjoyed both of these stories they should have called it the unforgiven one two three so it was more obvious that people had to read them in order to follow them like it continues next month in captain america unforgiven and like i don't know i just i hate when comics do this confusing naming scheme that doesn't allow casuals to follow yeah and it all comes back to like one of my biggest problems in comics is when they call a one shot a number one yeah like i hate that like so much it's a visceral problem of mine I assume that has to do with some kind of diamond cataloging thing that they just haven't gotten rid of mm-hmm. because they never don't have a number attached. I've never once seen a one shot that didn't have the number one thrown after it. And I agree with you. It's, it's so utterly confusing to non-comic book people. There's no mm-hmm. reason for it. So I feel like it has to be a relic of the nineties or something like the way they, they ordered them. They just never fixed it. Yeah, that's probably it. I just, you know, when you're combining it with this idea of, like, it's a a story told across three different books featuring different hero sets and all of that. It's like, we don't need to number one each of them. I'm really convinced that their goal is to use the Spider-Man, X-Men, and Captain America, three of their biggest names, to boost sales here as, like, a launching pad for an eventual uh, Forgiven series. Mm. Uh I don't think that's going to work if no one knows that the three are connected. Yeah. I also, like, you didn't meet them. I feel like they killed the most compelling member in the Spider-Man issue and then expect us to really care. I don't know. Uh, but for X-Men, I like Seeley's Jean Grey. I like Seeley's Jubilee. Like, if this was a tryout for Tim Seeley to write more X-Men comics... 
I'm on board. I don't think that's what it was. I think he's trying to get to write the vampire family, but mm-hmm. he wrote some interesting, compelling versions of these characters here. I didn't like his rogue. His rogue was kind of lame, but, but I don't. I, I don't get it really. To be fair, to be completely blunt, I don't understand why this issue exists. Yeah, and I mean at the same time, like I think Team Sealy is good at writing their characters because guess what? I think Rogue is pretty lame most of the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's so odd to me that that you're anti-rogue while I'm anti-gambit. I know. It's like, how how can I be so right and you be so wrong? No. No. Gam- gambit is... Look, it was probably the most controversial clip I've ever TikToked, so I just want to reiterate. Gambit is a fucking piece of shit, and if he died in a fire, Marvel would throw the biggest hellfire gala yet like we could we could party at gambit being gone woo woo no more gambit woo woo no more gambit woo woo no more gambit who 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 do you hate more gambit or the riddler in the best Batman movie. The okay, Batman. I was going to say, I actually like the Riddler as a character. It is a Not bad true. coincidence that the Not Tom true. King book... And <laughs> if you put Benjamin Percy, <laughs> the Nirvana-fueled Batman's version of the Riddler, yeah. and any version of Gambit in a room, you gave me one bullet... I'm shooting myself because I, I can't stand being in a room with any of them. <laughs> All right. I, okay. Did you read Iron Man? No. No. All right. Uh, it might be my favorite thing Dugan has written this year. Wow. It was a really fun issue. Mostly because basically... It was the end of the first arc, I think. We might actually have one more issue for the arc, but it, it was the climax. And uh, it was Phalong with Nimrod and Doc and uh, Dr. Stasis at the bell ringing of uh, the New York Stock Exchange. Which What's the stock exchange where they ring the bell at the start of the day? I think New it's New, uh, the NYSE. And they're like ringing the bell and be like, woo! Star Stark Unlimited, we're we're gonna change the world, woo! And Tony shows up, and uh, he's basically like, you know, everyone who's ever bought my, who's ever undermined my business, Justin Hammer, dead. Obat Obadiah Stade, dead. Justine Hammer, dead. You really think you're gonna fare any better? And Fei Long, who Dugan writes as a must Elon Musk standing, which is what makes it so great, is like. I can't hear you, Tony. I'm too busy ringing the bell. And Tony's like, why don't you meet me outside? And Fei Long's like, okay, let's take it outside. <laughs> Stark gets outside. He's like, I didn't actually think he'd come out here. And Fei Long's like, you don't know my powers. And Stark's like, oh, yeah? Fuck your dad. Not really, but like he, he, his monologue's all about, uh, I can tell he's got daddy issues. And then he... he <laughs> riles him up about his dad and Fei Long like throws a fit and then Tony just beats the living shit out of him with a uh uh 
parking meter. He pulls a parking <laughs> meter out of the ground, just beats the snot out of him. It's it's a great scene, really, really cool stuff. And he leaves him like bloodied, beaten in the street, and he's like, I had to leave because I was gonna kill him if I stayed. And so he flies off to space, and the epilogue reveals just like that obviously Phalong's not actually beat, and it's like, oh, uh, it cuts to She-Hulk and She's like, Tony, you need to call me back. The Your old company is saying they have the intellectual property rights to your armor. So clearly that's that's the route they're going. And so it ends with him finally showing up to Krakoa, to Emma. And Emma's like, about time you showed up. I've been waiting for you. So it's leading into next issues, the one you're going to have to read because right. it's the full-on Emma crossover. Yeah. But the Feilong beatdown scene is one of the best things ever the delivery is fantastic. And the fact that he's so blatant with it being an Elon Musk stand-in makes it really satisfying to just watch him just get beat down. So good. I love that. I'll have to check it out just for that alone, honestly. Well, and I feel like you could skip the first three issues because I, mm. I actually was pretty hard on the series. I was not liking it so far. People kept saying like, oh, Dugan's doing, Dugan's doing an interesting Iron Man. I was like, meh, it's okay. It's okay. This issue won me over. It was It was a ton of fun. Excellent. Next week. Next week. Uh, next week, we've got Immoral X-Men number three. So we're fight, like, finally. We took one week off, and I'm like, finally back to Sinister. But that's the start of year 1000, so very excited. Uh, Wolverine 32, because we just can't escape it. Uh, you know what? I'll design this week. I, I forgot to do it this week, but by next week, we'll have our written by Benjamin Percy shirt for sale <laughs> and then Rogan Gambit number two anything else my friend that's about it I mean you know at least we get one guaranteed good book next week and yeah the rest we'll see what happens after some peer pressure we have a discord server join chat with us join our tight knit community we are a quarter of the way through 2023 so I can't say it anymore but I really wanted to grow this year so come join us come hang out Make sure you like us, review us on all the places, follow us, and nothing else, tell a friend who you think might enjoy it. I'm not Nerdy Popover on all the socials. Keegan is Bulk Ranger. Until next time, remember, adrenaline in my soul. Something, something, go! Mega Mutants! Yeah! <laughs> it would have been better if I could still fucking vocalize it all, but whatever. Whatever. <laughs>